Welcome to the Redemption Channel. My name is Matthew, and we're in a series called Keep It Simple. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to Romans chapter 12. We're continuing on in our series. We're in week five. It's called Keep It Simple. And we're talking about simple practices that we want to incorporate into our lives to help us keep in step with the Holy Spirit so as to be near Jesus and together as a church family. So the end result uh, and then also as we're going through it, we're hoping that we're drawing nearer to Jesus, but also more together uh, as a church family. And uh, the first week of this series, uh, we just simply laid out the, the truth that builds all of our lives as followers of Christ, the truth of the gospel. Uh, as Tim Keller says, that we are more uh, deeply flawed and sinful than we could dare believe, but more loved and accepted in Christ than we could dare hope. His love for us is beyond what we can imagine. This is the gospel. And uh, then out of that, we talked about three practices that help draw us near to Jesus, reading scripture, prayer, and communion. But at the end of last week, we also transitioned into how communion is not just an individual endeavor. And so what you experienced this morning uh, was taking communion as a church family, but uh, in groups, getting to know some new people, saying hi to someone you didn't know, stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit, but, but taking communion as a, as a family, the communal side of it. Now, this week, we transitioned the series into simple practices that will help uh, that second goal help form us together as a church family. And so today I want to lay out the, the foundational truth for that. And then the next three weeks will be three practices uh, that will draw us nearer to Jesus, yes, but, but more so they tie us in to the church family, the body of Christ. Now, as we do that, um, we're going to operate under this foundational truth. Jesus says this in John chapter 13. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. A new command I give you, love one another. So he sums up the old covenant. He says, in the new covenant, in this new thing that I'm doing, that his blood reminds us of, in this new covenant, let me give you an operating principle. Love one another. In fact, he goes on to say this. This is how people will know if you're my disciples. Love one another. He doesn't say this is how people will know if you perfectly live up to the old covenant law. No, he says, this is how people will know, if you love one another. Now, in talking about uh, a church body uh, where we want our operating principle to be love one another, we do this with three, and I'm going to give them here, three presuppositions or three um, statements that we know are going to be true as we um, create and live within a context of a body of loving one another. Here's the first one. Mistakes will be made. Mistakes will be made. Sin will happen. Mistakes will be made. We will not be perfect to each other. I will do something at some point that will offend you. An elder may. Your life group leader may be. You may do to someone else. By the way, uh, let me warn you, before we get too far down this path, it will be easy in today's talk to think about, sermon, to think about every person who's wronged you you're probably not hearing the sermon correctly if that's where your mind goes. Mistakes will be made, okay? Sin will happen. People will wrong us. We know that. That's the first one. The second one is this. Creating a, a church where love one another is our currency um, is a team effort. It's a team effort. 
It's not just my job to make sure that everyone in here feels adequately loved. That's both impossible and unbiblical. What that creates is an environment uh, where uh, some people are uh, more esteemed or more important than other people. Uh, it also creates an unrealistic environment, right, which can create bitterness and other things like, well, you know, this didn't happen the way I wanted it to, or the pastor didn't show up when, uh, you know, when, when I was in the hospital that one day. And, and, you know, you never know what's going on. It, creating a loving environment is the job of the entire church, why? Because we believe that ministry is the role of the entire church. As we've said it around here, this is God's church. It's not mine. It's not Lindsay and I's. It's not the elders. It's not a small group of people. It's everyone's. It's God's, and then it's all of us within that. We all have different roles, but creating a loving environment is everybody's role. It's a team effort. And third, third is this, uh, that as we talk about church family, we know this. We're all going to engage at different levels. We all have different things going on. We all have uh, different seasons of life that we're in and busy schedules and um, different pasts. And some of us are getting over hurts. And there's a lot of different things that go into how people engage in the context of their church body. And so we say this, I got two things. on it. One, we understand that. We're all going to engage in this and the different practices that we talk about over the next three weeks. We're going to engage in those practices at different levels. And we understand that. But... Within that, we also should say that we're open, each of us, to how the Holy Spirit would prompt us to potentially change if needed. That we don't, as Christians, just say, well, this is how I've always served. This is how I've always engaged in a church family. This is what I've always done, and so I'm just gonna, I'm good. Well, no, the Holy Spirit might call you to change. Your level might be where you're at, how you're engaging. might be good, but, but, but if he is calling you to something more, Will you respond to him? So those are the three things. Mistakes will happen. It's a team effort. We're all gonna engage at different levels. We understand that. Now, under Jesus's new command that we ought to love one another, that that will show, right, that we are in Christ. Okay, so by the way, if you're not catching me, it means this, that Jesus is saying, um, your love one for another is a better indicator than your moral obedience to whether or not you're in Christ. That's what he was saying there. This is how we'll know, how we love one another. Now, I know there's another verse that says, those who obey my commandments. Right, I get it. So there is this twofold approach. Let me say it a different way. We all know a lot of very moral people who loving is the last word we would use to describe them. That's a problem. Now, in this passage... Romans 12, 9, Paul is going to lay out what this looks like. He starts off with this in the English four words. Let love be genuine. Romans 12, 9. Now, Romans 12 comes after 11 chapters, Romans 1 through 11, of some of the most rich theology in all of Scripture. You can't read Romans 1 through 11 and not understand the gospel. I mean, you can, but uh, it's in there. And so Paul makes his case for the gospel very intensely in Romans 1 through 11. Then he gets into Romans 12 and he just lays it out. He says, I'm not going to try to be confusing. Let me just tell you very practically what you ought to do. 
And so this is what he does. And this is the beginning of the list. He says, let me tell you what it looks like. In my Bible, now this wasn't written into the original text, but uh, in my Bible, the subheading over this is marks of a true Christian. Here's the first one. Let love be genuine. Now, this is not just the first instruction. It's actually an overarching, um, almost like thesis of the entire list that's going to come underneath it. Let love be genuine. The word love here is agape. And what that uh, word means is, uh, and it's the most common use, uh, word used for love in the New Testament. What that word means is to have an emotion or a feeling so deep that it demands action. As in God agape us, and so he sent his son. And Jesus agape us, so he gave his life for us. It's giving us an indication of what genuine love is. That genuine love has action tied into it. Let love, let agape be genuine. Now this word genuine, uh, there's a, another translation that says, let love be without dissimulation or without disconnection. Uh, said another way, uh, let love, I think this is the easiest way we would say it in modern language, don't be fake. Don't be fake. Don't look like you love somebody or care about somebody. Don't say like you love or care about somebody and not actually. Now, the difference, we see this in Scripture, between fake love and real love is that real love costs something. It costs God his son. It costs Jesus his life. So to say let love be genuine, not uh, fake. And really, the, 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 the terminology in there is almost like an intentional fakeness. And we are pretty good at this, aren't we? I mean, we're even like, we know the right words to say when we're faking interest in somebody's problems. The right look, the right nod, the right mm-hmm, right? Or how to say, yeah, I'll pray for you, right? Or uh, my favorite, um, if there's anything you need, let me know. Let me translate what, if there's anything you need, let me know, what that really means. When we say, if there's anything you need, let me know. What we mean is, if there is something that is um, not out of, um, that is easy for me to do and lines up perfectly with my schedule and finances, and it happens to be at exactly the right time that you need it, then I will think about offering it. That's what the phrase really means. Let love be genuine. Let your agape, let the emotion of feeling one for another in the family of Christ be so strong that it actually prompts action. What kind of action? Well, let me just list out a couple. Showing interest in one another. Like actual interest of who are you and, uh, and what is your life like and what has brought you up to this point? Now, again, some of these um, uh, can happen at a, you know, like an official church level and, and others of that, that's impossible. Um, I, I've always used this term, don't read too much into it, of um, I'm, I'm really good at, at first dates when it comes to churches. What I mean by that is um, when somebody comes to the church for the first time, I want to hang out with them once. I want to get to know a little bit of their story. I want to know what brought them here, right? And it's usually a good conversation over coffee or something else, okay? Now, I can't have everyone in my life group, Right? Can't be best friends with everybody. And so um, uh, there, you know, there's an initial conversation and an initial getting to know. So, so where does the rest of it come in? Well, with the body, with you guys getting to know each other and showing genuine interest in one another, giving time for each other. Time could be a text message, 
right? Time could be prayer after service. Time could be just talking in the lobby. Time might be just the genuine moment of high when you're walking in. Or time might be a life group. Time might be hours spent on a couch um, talking about what's going on in your life. It's all going to vary, but taking time for each other, making time for each other. And yeah, it costs. I think our elders, Tom and Frank, modeled this so well. A couple weeks ago, somebody was in the hospital. I texted him. I said, hey, this guy in the church, he's in the hospital. Then a couple hours, Frank was there. A couple hours after that, Tom was there. Actual time spent showing people this, this is real. Love is real. Seeking to um, understand each other is another one. Understanding what makes us tick, understanding why we do what we do. And then tied to that is this, assuming the best about each other. How easy is it to jump to quick conclusions? Ah, they didn't respond to me. Ah, um, they looked at me a different way this week. This happened, that happened. And how quickly we jump to conclusions on people. And we create a, a dialogue in our head. And not based in reality or truth. A friend of mine, mentor, used to say this, a little investigation saves a lot of accusation. Isn't it amazing how a quick understanding of the scenario can completely change your perspective? And if we take the time to just investigate a little bit, it might completely stop the stories that we create in our head. Assuming the best, and tied in with assuming the best, is genuine love is this. And if you've been married for any amount of time, you know that the only way a marriage lasts is if you understand this principle, love covers over a multitude of sins. And if we're going to be a family of, of love, it has to cover over a multitude of sins. It means we don't let one offense, especially a minor offense, become something that drives a wedge. Uh, we don't allow, um, uh, well, we, we do allow love to cover over the little offenses that we feel. Now, um, not necessarily cover up, right? Love doesn't cover up, okay? Like hide or conceal. Love covers over. In other words, love says, I see it exist, uh, but I'm just going to let the cross take care of it. I don't need to get angry. I don't need to get mad. I don't need to get bitter. Love covers over it. That's genuine love. It's what we are supposed to, instructed by Christ, show one to another. And when that happens, we then are the church that Jesus came to plant. We are uh, then drawing nearer to Jesus, but then the church begins to be what it ought to be, rooted in what it's supposed to be rooted in. And remember, Christian love never comes out of stirring it from our own effort. All Christian love comes out of understanding how God loved us. All Christian love comes out of seeing God uh, loving us enough to give us his son, seeing Jesus loving us enough to give us his life, receiving that love, and then offering it out. Genuine love. Now, Paul continues on here in his instructions, and I think we have to see all of these first verses as very connected. And so he says, let love be genuine. And then he gets into a whole list of how we relate one to another. And I think these first two lines are within that same vein. He's saying, abhor what is evil. And it's not that this verse can't mean, uh, and that a word abhor really could be used, hate. It's not that it's not like saying hate the devil, 
right? Or, or hate demonic activity or hate things that are, um, you know, sinful, right? Like we can hate things that are sinful and we can hate the devil, right? stuff like that, right? Or hate evil. But this line, abhor, abhor what is evil, I think is better translated like this. Literally, run away from that which is destructive. Literally, run away from that which is destructive. And I really think it means within the context of the relational church family. Run away from that which is destructive to the body of Christ. Let your love be genuine. How do I let my love be genuine? Literally, abhor, run away from that which is destructive to the body of Christ. So what's destructive to the body of Christ? I've got a list. First, gossip. Hugely destructive. Hugely destructive. Gossip is the act of sharing someone's private business with someone who has no business hearing that business. This gossip. I used to say it like this. If you're not part of the solution, or if you haven't asked to be part of the solution, you shouldn't be part of the conversation. It's gossip. There's some pretty... Um, socially big sins that are listed in a section of scripture. And um, sometimes in some of those sins, I'll just call one of them what it is, homosexuality, Christians go up in arms, boycotting TV shows and, and stores and everything else. You know what's in that exact same list? Gossip. Gossip. Could you imagine Christians starting a boycott because there was a TV show and there was gossip in it? There's a show literally called Gossip Girls. Not that I've seen it. I haven't. I have seen every episode of Pretty Little Liars, though. So, didn't have to admit that, did I? That was before I met Lindsay, okay? Well, all the ones up until that point. Gossip is highly destructive. It's highly destructive. It destroys the fabric of the church community. It can ruin people's lives. We should literally run away from it. Slander or backbiting. This is different in gossip in this way. Slander is just negative talk, derogatory talk about somebody else. You might say, it's true. It doesn't matter. It's still slanderous. It's still backbiting, even if it is true. At this point, what matters is, does it hurt that person's reputation? Does it make people question that person? Or uh, said in the positive, is it wholesome, uplifting talk? If it's not, if it goes to that other side, then it's slander. And guess what? It's sinful. It's sinful. And it's destructive to the church family. Because you have an opinion about somebody and then you run over here and somebody tells you something slanderous about that person and now your opinion of this person who has only been good to you is completely different. It's destructive. We should literally run away from it. Another thing that's destructive to the church family is unforgiveness and bitterness. So I've been doing church for a long time. Here's what I've seen often happen. Uh, things will be going really well with somebody in the church or a family in the church, and 
things are going great. I feel like I have a good relationship with them, all, you know, all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden they disappear. And it's like, well, I don't think I did anything. And then you start talking through this and then here's what you learn. There was a rift going on that nobody up here, you know, when I say here, like on staff or something like that, knew about, but it was just out there. And then all of a sudden the family, the church family is severed because unforgiveness or bitterness wasn't settled out here in the body. Said another way, I'm not gonna know every issue that happens within the context of this body, nor do I want to, quite frankly. This is why each of us practice this. It's why each of us practice forgiveness. It's why each of us don't hold on to bitterness. It's why each of us are allowing the Holy Spirit to change us. Because I can tell you that when people don't show up or when the body is weakened because somebody um, leaves out of a, for, for a, not a good reason, it affects the whole body. And so we should run from that. Another one is division. Division in the body. Some of Paul's harshest language are those who would divide the body of Christ. Warn them once. And get rid of them if they don't heed the warning. Why? Uh, because division, it, it fractures the body. Division is going up to somebody and just cutting their arm off. And we should literally run from anything that, 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 that smells or sounds like division in the body. That could be improper um, venting. That could be constant negativity. I mean, there's a lot of different ways, right? It's not that this is a dictatorship and, you know, anything out of line and you're gone, um, you know, because then that's not a church. That's a dictatorship. Um, but I think we're intelligent enough to tell the difference. And I think Paul warns us of that properly because he cares about the body. Let love be genuine. Let your agape um, compel you so much to actually take action. Run, literally, from anything that is destructive to the fabric of the body. Now, what I love about Paul, he does this um, oftentimes. He doesn't just tell us to stop. He tells us to stop something, but then he also tells us, to do something. In other words, he gives us a negative and he gives us a positive. Hate that which is evil. Abhor that which is destructive to the church family. And what instead? Hold fast. The word is kalea. Hold fast or glue or cement or tie yourself or continue in that which is good. Good in what? Good in building up and uplifting the body of Christ. Whatever it is that builds the body of Christ, keep on doing that. What do Christians do? Paul, sorry, you know, this, this marks of true Christians. They let genuine love, and then they look for all of the activities that will genuinely build up the body of Christ. And they cling to those activities. So what are they? Those are activities uh, are, are when we sacrifice one for another. When we give up that which is ours, whether that's time, energy, emotion, finance, who, whatever it might be, um, one for another. Clinging to that which is good is uh, encouraging one another. In fact, if you read through, as you read through the book of Acts, you'll notice that one of the things Paul was consistently doing when he showed up anywhere, it says, encouraging the believers. Encouraging the believers. What I love about um, having my dad and Tom out at, at the front of the um, church when they walk in is it's not just a high, it's a tone-setting moment. 
that this is a positive environment, <laughs> that we are sincerely glad that you're here, that our aim every week is to encourage you. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't going to be certain weeks where you walk out and go, well, that kind of hurt, right? Because I probably ain't preaching scripture if it doesn't hurt every once in a while, okay? But even that can be encouraging. When I was a sports coach, I used to tell all of my assistant coaches, um, we will be the most optimistic kids, or the most optimistic people these kids have ever met. They just got done with school. We don't know what happened on their test. So for the two hours we have, we will be the most optimistic people that they have ever met. Right? That's our role. It's not fake. It comes out of genuine love, and it's encouragement. And so we should, when we gather with one another, be encouragement to each other, encouraging each other in Christ, encouraging each other uh, in the hope that we have in Jesus, encouraging each other to keep on um, praying for each other, praying for each other. And even in that little group that you broke up to in your communion group, and I don't know how often we're going to do that, but every time you do, there's an opportunity for you in that small group to be an encouragement to one another to show love, genuine love to one another. Who are you? What's your name, right? And I, here's the deal. Um, I'm just gonna say this for what it is. Socially now, we, we, we've made it cool to be the awkward wallflower, okay? Like it's a thing. Oh, I'm just, and the phrase, I'm just too awkward, okay? Like, ugh, okay. <laughs> I know I'm venting, but hear me out. We all have different personalities, right? We all have different um, levels of, I love crowds, I don't love crowds. I get all of that, okay? Um, but Christian community is not reserved to a personality type, okay? Christian community is not just for the, uh, the ease, okay? Uh, Christian community is for everybody. Now, it will vary. I get it. I will, it will, certainly. But... Um, don't let your, don't let, please, a personality trait become a hindrance to you engaging in community because everybody misses out then. We're not gonna throw everyone on stage. We're not gonna make everybody stand out at the front door and wave to everybody, okay? But Christian community is for everyone, for everyone. We should cling to that which is good serving each other, praying for each other. Here's one, defending each other. You remember that old storyline, like, like, I can make fun of my sister, but if you make fun of my sister, I punch you in the face? You know, like that whole, that whole line. Not that we should be making fun of each other, but we should defend each other. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my family. I've got your back. What happens when you have to go somewhere that you don't want to go? What do you do? You bring people that don't want to go, but you make them go because you're going, right? That thing that you're going to here, we call that life. We call that life. Hopefully you want to go through life. But as you're going through life, you're not going alone. You're going with your church family. If it is the family as it ought to be, the church that Jesus came to plant. And so we should have each other's backs. Let me say it another way. Uh, when we see 
when you see each other out in public outside of Sunday, I want to see it, and I hope it becomes more of seeing a family member than seeing that awkward classmate from fourth grade. Okay? These are the people I take communion with. These are the people I celebrate Jesus with. These are the people that I know got my back when life gets tough. They're going to pray with me, pray for me, walk with me, and love will be genuine in it. This is the church that Jesus came to plant. Something I noticed about myself, I've got to stop talking. I've got to stop talking future tense when it comes to our church. This is the church we want to become. This is the church we are going to be. No, no, this is the church we need to be now. Now, right now. Why? Because life is happening right now. Now, because marriages are on a brink right now, because students are struggling with sin and issues right now, because life is happening right now. The church needs to be the church right now. Which means we don't dream of a future day when we figured out everything. We be the hands and feet of Christ now. Now. And it's a team effort, which means it takes every one of us. And we're going to make mistakes, but love covers over a multitude of sins. And it all might look a little different for all of us, but if we all have one goal, his Holy Spirit will get us there. Let's pray. Father, Our humble prayer is despite all of our weaknesses, despite all of my personal faults, would you form this body into the body that you want? Will you help us to operate out of this currency of letting love be genuine? Help us to forgive where we need to forgive, to mend what we need to mend. Help us to take action where we have been stagnant. Motivate us, move us, change us to do that. Give us eyes to see every person in the room that you would want us to see and show us how to see them so that we might show them love and care. And Jesus, help us to do this now. We need your help. Thank you for the victory on the cross that allows us to do this. Holy Spirit, empower us to be this. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to share with you a quick story. We call them redemption stories. It's just about a couple in the church that has gotten connected around here. And we just wanted to share that with you so you could see it. And then I have some next steps for you after. I told her either God opens up something in this area or I think it's time that we just start looking somewhere else. We felt that we didn't have our own set of friends. We literally were talking about it months before saying, we're so lonely. We're here and we're just lonely. And then that's when the invitation came. Hello, my name is Isaiah Bursiaga and this is my beautiful wife, Taylor. And this is our redemption story. We started attending redemption in August of 2018. The first thing I remembered about Redemption Church was how approachable everyone was. We first um, got introduced through the Snipes, and then they introduced us to another couple. Once you get involved, you find 
your your place and where you belong. We have made lifelong friends. We've had friends that we've called late at night needing prayer and needing guidance and they have been there in a heartbeat. We never really had an opportunity where our daughter was so excited to get up every morning and um, attend church and now she's the first one up on Sundays, you know, and making sure that we're up out of out of one prayer of we're leaving it up to you God you know what we want you know what we need and you know best so we just kind of left it at that and that was when we got invited and now we're blessed beyond measure with family and friends I wouldn't even say friends it's with a beautiful family that you know we get to do life with and worship with and serve with and it doesn't get any better than that. So understanding that we all engage at different levels, um, a story similar to this is my hope and prayer for each and every one of you. Um, oftentimes by name, like as I see people walk in, God help them get connected to the group of people that are going to make them share a story with the same level of gratitude to God for what he has given. And, and so this is my prayer for each of you um, as you desire. And we want to help you in that. Um, if you want to help get connected around here, you can. Uh, you probably saw the new Get Connected table out in the lobby. Uh, Brittany will be out at that table each and every week. And uh, you just go up to her. There's candy there to bribe you. And uh, she'll just tell you uh, how you can get connected. And then the next three weeks, um, we're going to be very practical. And we're going to talk about three practices uh, in the Christian faith that relate to how we relate to one another and take action in showing love to one another. And so we're, I'm going to lay those out over the next three weeks. So I hope you'll join us. Um, I'm going to wear this obnoxious T-shirt uh, every week for the next three weeks um, just to keep reminding all of us that our hope is to get connected as a church family to whatever degree uh, that we would each want to engage in that. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Before you go, uh, if you have the uh, Connect card and you want to get connected, you can drop it in the box. Um, if you want to worship God with your giving and uh, serve your church family uh, through that as well, you can drop that in the box, uh, or you can give online at experienceredemption.com. Uh, reminder, three weeks from today, a Sunday night service right here at 530. We're going to kind of just celebrate the first eight weeks as a church. Uh, we're going to take uh, this entire series and kind of wrap it up into a night of worship and celebration. And so join us here Sunday night, three weeks from today at 530. You guys have a great week. We'll see you soon. Thanks for watching this video. We hope you'll join us for one of our services on Sunday at 9 or 10.30 a.m. in the Levis Commons Movie Theater. Now with the new year come new things. So, if you want to find out more about our church, visit us at our new web address, experienceredemption.com. Have a great week.